Hello and welcome to Series G, the business-focused gaming podcast. This is your host Mustafa and in today's episode, we're going to be covering Games M&A, the decade in review. And honestly, what an incredible decade it was. Even if we look at the decade from a macro perspective quickly and consider the fact that we had a generational shift from PS3 and Xbox 360 to PS4 and Xbox One, and the incredible success that that brought about, PS4 has now crossed 106 million units. That was one of the most recent articles that I read in terms of their actual sales performance. Nintendo Switch has come out towards the latter half of the decade and is performing incredibly well. And last but not least, we have the mobile games market, which experienced incredible growth in the 2010s thanks to the launch of the iPhone and, of course, Android devices that have taken the world by storm. But getting back to the topic at hand, the decade has really been an incredible time for the games industry as it has experienced really successful stories of acquisitions, IPOs, secondaries, buyouts, and some growth equity rounds as well. And we're going to cover some of those things in today's episode. To give some context around these high-profile acquisitions, we have companies like Supercell, King, Zynga, Mojang, and quite a few others which we will cover. So all of the data that I'm going to be sharing today has been sourced from DealRoom. So of course, it's all publicly available information. And really, the methodology for this data set has been taking all the games companies that have exited between 2010 all the way through to the end of 2019 and excluding all the companies which are really more so betting or gambling because sometimes those companies do get classified as games companies. So they they slip through that filtering crack, but I've excluded those companies from this analysis. So if you're curious to hear about some of the trends in the games M&A space over the last decade, feel free to stick around because we're going to get right into it. In an effort to keep this episode a reasonable length, I decided to focus more exclusively on the top 25 or so companies that form the largest exits within this data set that I have. In order of enterprise value, these companies are Supercell, King, Zynga, Ubisoft, Unity, Razer, Mojang, Oculus, Improbable, PopCap Games, Outfit7, Big Fish Games, Rovio, Twitch, Game Show Network, Gameloft, Small Giant Games, Nix Interactive, Natural Motion, Big Point, CCP Games, and NG Moco. Now, if you were counting quickly in your head, you might have noticed that isn't exactly 25 companies. And that's because a few of the names on this top 25 list actually repeat. For example, King.com, the maker of Candy Crush, originally IPO'd in March 2014 for an enterprise value of around $7 billion. And eventually, they got sold in November 2015 to Activision Blizzard. Another example of this is a company called Big Fish Games. They were originally acquired by Churchill Downs Incorporated in November 2014, but eventually went on to be sold again to Aristocrat Leisure in February 2018. So those are essentially your top 25 companies. And before I head into the types of data cuts that I've done, I wanted to make a few honorable mentions. Because the top 25 list that I had was originally filtered by the enterprise value at the time of exit, it is missing some companies that you might think should be on that list, and I'll mention a few of them right now. 
In terms of IPOs, this list includes THQ Nordic, which is now known as Embracer Group. It includes Paradox Interactive, Stillfront, and one of my favorite developers, CD Projekt Red, who I am an absolute fan of because of their work on the Witcher series and their upcoming work in Cyberpunk 2077. In terms of acquisitions, it includes CCP Games, which sold for about $400 million to Pearl Abyss. We have Riot Games, which was sold for an absolute bargain price to Tencent in 2011. This is when League of Legends was really just getting off the ground at the beginning of the decade, and you can imagine where it is now, but Tencent at the time acquired them for just $400 million. We also have Jagex Studios, best known for RuneScape, which sold to a Chinese company, and Gram Games, a Turkish company creating mobile games that sold to Zynga. I also want to take a moment to clarify that the original list of 25 companies you might have noticed excludes all Asian companies. So I decided exclusively to focus on the Western markets, but it would be a disservice to exclude completely some of the top Asian exits of the last decade. So starting off with Netmarble, which IPO'd in 2017 for about 11 billion. That was their enterprise value at the time. We also have Nexon, which IPO'd in 2011 and currently has an enterprise value of around 9.3 million euros. And finally, we have a few others like Doyu and Huya, which are streaming services that also IPO'd, and Shonda Games, which is a game developer that was acquired for a whopping $4.3 billion. As we head into the next section and start looking at some of the data cuts, especially with the exit types, I want you to bear in mind that with these Asian top M&A exits, a lot of them came through the public markets. As we're about to see, that's going to be in stark contrast to what the Western markets show. So now we're going to head into the data cuts and nothing really robust or complex here. Some very simple cuts to show the overall macro trends within games exits over the last decade. Firstly, we are starting with the exit type, and I feel that's quite fitting since we just finished off talking about how a lot of the top Asian companies that exited in the past decade were public companies, so they realized their value through IPOs. However, when looking at the Western market, the top 25 list that I had talked about originally, there's a different trend. As a matter of fact, 84% or 21 out of 25 companies exited through an acquisition. And of course, that leaves only four companies that exited through an IPO. Now, there's an important distinction that I want to make here because the 21 acquisition actually also includes secondaries and buyouts. I felt that these still represented exits for some type of investor, so it made sense to include them within the acquisition label. Moving on to the next data set, I really wanted to see what mix there was of companies in this top 25. Were they content? Were they technology companies, were they hardware, and that's what we're going to dive into next. So according to this list, 72% of the 25 companies are content companies, and that could include PC content, that could include mobile content or console content. Next up, we have platform slash technology type companies such as Unity Technologies, Twitch, and Improbable, which make up 20% of the mix. And finally, we have 8% of the mix coming from hardware companies such as Razer and Oculus. Now, this mix being heavily skewed towards content isn't exactly a surprise. I would have expected that content would dominate the top 25 list. I didn't expect it to be this high, though. I was expecting it to be more in the 60 to 65 range, 
where the remainder will be filled up by technology, hardware, and others creating that value in terms of top exits. So it really goes to show that content remains the centerpiece of this industry and value accretion is not shifting away from content companies. Next up, we have the geographic breakdown. Where exactly did these companies come from? And what might that mean for games companies in the future when they consider where they want to have their headquarters? So first, looking at the regional mix, we see that Europe makes up approximately 56% and USA and Canada make up 44%. Remember, this list doesn't include any companies from Asia, so it's really focusing on the Western developed markets. Looking at the regional mix intuitively, I agree that Europe should have a greater mix, and that's simply because there is greater games talent in Europe, but the US does tend to focus more on other sectors of tech, whether that's fintech, health tech, biotech, etc. And if you were to look at Europe from that lens, that's where Europe falls behind. Let's break this down a little bit further by looking at the country mix. Given that the USA and Canada together make up 44% of the regional mix, it's expected that the US would be a hefty chunk, and indeed they are, with 10 out of 25 exits being credited to them. And when looking at Europe, a lot of the top games companies have come out of the Nordics. So if you look at Finland and Sweden, for example, they make up about 24% of the mix and the United Kingdom makes up 16%. And then the others can be attributed towards countries such as France, Germany, and even Canada. So as a games company, if you're looking to set up your business, where would you want to go? Because it really becomes a fine balance between cost and talent. You can't go to a country which is too cheap where nobody will want to move and therefore you cannot attract the best talent. And you don't want to stay in a country that is overly expensive, especially if you can't afford it and you don't have the right backing. Then you're really setting yourself up for failure. And last but not least, I really wanted to take a look at the time to exit. We had an incredible decade, no doubt. And at some times, it felt that there was such rapid advancement and exits on some of these investments that you would think that there would be a really quick return on your investment. But looking at the numbers, that's not quite the case. Looking at this top 25 data set, the median time to exit for these companies was 11 years, and the average was 11.4 years. While there are some outliers, the general trend seems to indicate between 10 to 11 years to exit for games companies. Of course, I'm extrapolating this not just on the 25, but also on larger data sets that I've seen in the past. And this data set simply validates that by saying that the median time to exit is 11 years. Of course, you can have incredible successes like Supercell, which exited in six years, but that is definitely not the norm. Finally, to bring everything full circle, the whole point of this analysis was to see where value creation in the games industry might occur over the next 10 years. And based on the data set that we've seen here, as a games company operating in either North America or Europe, your best bet is to go through the acquisition route. So really as entrepreneurs, you must consider the long-term view of your business. What is possible in terms of an exit and what might you realistically be able to achieve? And these are tough conversations to have, not just with yourself, but with your management team and the impact that it will have on your workforce. Especially when you're starting out, you might think, why would I care or worry about exiting my business if I just got started? Nobody has all the answers, but having a long-term view is invaluable, even if there is no clear-cut path. 
Most importantly, asking yourself and your management team the tough questions is what helps you make your decisions on a day-to-day basis. You might also think that, oh, I don't really have to think about that because for me, I love what I do and I don't see myself stopping. Absolutely, nobody's saying that you should not continue working in your business even if you do exit. But the point is, exiting the business helps you as a founder and as the management team crystallize all your hard work and reap the rewards. There's a second point to this as well, and that is that unless you've completely bootstrapped your business, at some point or another, you will face pressure from external investors to exit your business and provide them a return on their investment. So it's a worthwhile exercise to sit down and start figuring out your long-term objectives of the business all the way up to a potential acquisition or exit. And once you have that view, you can peel back the layers and really think about, okay, which companies would make incredible partners and acquirers? And then from there, you start working towards building relationships with those entities. And that is all for today's episode. I hope you did enjoy. I will catch you all in the next one. Stay frosty.